an individual specific word can be positive or negative. For example, the word crash. Now, you might think of that word negatively, as in we've had an automobile accident or my computer crashed or something like that. But some people say, hey, I have had a long week at work. It is Friday afternoon. I am going home and crashing. And what they mean by that is I am doing nothing. I am going home resting. I am going immediately to sleep watching Gary sermons on YouTube. And I will be out like that. And I am crashing. The word ticket, that can be positive or negative. You can think about the word ticket as a law enforcement officer seeing that you were driving too rapidly and pulling you over and enforcing a fine based on the fact that you were exceeding the speed limit. And so ticket can be negative, but ticket also can be positive. You could be one of the lucky people who spent $19,000 to get a last row seat at the Taylor Swift Eras concert. <laughs> it's positive. Now, I'm rolling the dice here. I don't know if you're going to, to if everybody's going to get this. When I say the words muffin top, <laughs> positive or negative? Now, for some people, you would say, hey, that's positive. I just ripped the top of that blueberry muffin off. And some of you, as soon as I said that, went, don't look here. For those of you who don't know, the muffin top physical reference is if you have a little bit of stomach that spills over the top of your pants. And it looks like a muffin top. Doesn't, doesn't, it's not as appealing as a muffin top, but... That is the way that you use the word. It can be positive or negative. Well, it's not only the words that we use that can be positive or negative. The people that use them are positive or negative. The people who use words either positively or negatively impact the lives of their family members, their co-workers, their classmates, friends. Every single individual in this room over the past seven days has impacted people with his or her words. There's not one exception to that. Every single person in this room has been thought of positively or negatively based on the impact that they had on the lives of people to whom they spoke their words. Well, in James chapter 3, James said, hey, I want to talk specifically about this issue. As I mentioned right at the beginning of the service, we're in this faith that works Series. The whole book of James is about practical Christianity. There really isn't, in fact, just, just in passing, there is just a, a mention or two of theology or doctrine. All of the five chapters are about the outward expression 
that our faith should have. If Jesus is doing something inside of us, then what he is doing inside must show on the outside. I did not say it should or it ought to. It will. If Jesus is doing something inside of us, it will show up on the outside. And so James wrote about in these five chapters, here are ways that what Jesus does inside shows up on the outside. Let's read the first 12 verses of James 3 together, please. Not many should become teachers, my brothers, because you know that we will receive a stricter judgment. Now, this this verse is an entire sermon in and of itself. It says, hey, if you are in a position of church leadership, you are called to live by a higher standard. If you are in a position of of working that other people in the church follow you, the Lord says, I'm paying especially close attention to you because I'm measuring how you behave differently from the way that I'm measuring the way that others behave. Verse 2 says, "For for we all stumble in many ways. If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is mature, able also to control the whole body. Now, if we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we direct their whole bodies. And consider ships, though very large and driven by fierce winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So, too, though the tongue is a small part of the body, it boasts great things. Consider how small a fire set, consider how a small fire sets ablaze a large forest. And the tongue is a fire. The tongue is a world of unrighteousness. It's placed among our members. It stains the whole body, sets the course of life on fire, and itself is set on fire by hell. Every kind of animal, bird, reptile, and fish is tamed and has been tamed by humankind. But no one can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With the tongue we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in God's likeness. Blessing and cursing come out of the same mouth. My brothers and sisters, these things should not be this way. Can a spring pour out sweet water and bitter water from the same opening? Can a fig tree produce olives? My brothers and sisters, or a grape vine produce figs? Neither can a saltwater spring yield fresh water. These 12 verses talk about Major ideas related to how we use our words, and I want to talk about three of them today. First, James talked about the problem of our words. You notice there in verse 2, he says, look, everybody has struggles. You have struggles that I don't have, and I have struggles that you don't have. It may be that someone in the room is a very materialistic person, but someone else says, man, I don't even care about material goods at all. I don't care about the latest whatever. It may be that there's someone here who just holds on to bitterness. You cannot let go of wrong suffered. You are stewing in toxic unforgiveness. Some people say, man, I can let that go. It's, you know, I just forgive and forget it. It's not any problem. James said, everybody's got different struggles. Everybody has real tripping up points that, that cause issues in their walk with Christ. That's what he says in verse 2. For we all stumble in many ways. Everybody is different, he said. But if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is mature able also to control the whole, whole body. In other words, what James said is, look, we all have weak areas and we all have strong areas. 
But how we use our words is a potential tripping point for all of us. He said, that's, that's something that we all have in common. We all can be guilty of being too harsh with our words, of speaking too quickly, of saying something that we wish we could put the toothpaste back in the tube. James says, now look, we all have struggles. Some people do this, some people do that, but we all can agree. We can all look at each other and say, I don't always use my words the way that I should. Either I don't use them in a positive way. I'm not as affirming, as loving, as encouraging as I ought to be. Or I'm really negative with my words. I'm hateful and critical and spiteful. James said that is a common area for us. Does anybody here, I know Rebecca does, does anybody know Erin Hodson? Do you know Cynthia Wilkinson? Her niece or her nephew, Aaron went out to Hawaii. He, he graduated from college at Mississippi State and did not know what he wanted to do specifically. And so at that time, Southern Baptist had a program that was called US-2ER, 2-ER. And so you could go spend two years somewhere in North America serving in a church context. And it, it was kind of a, a period that could help you define what is God calling me to do. And, and so Aaron specifically applied with the North American Mission Board, and he said, look, the position that I want is I want to lead worship in a church, and I want to work with youth, because I think God has gifted me to be able to do both of them, but I would, I would like to see which of those two directions I would like to do, the worship leadership or the students. He said, I don't want to lead worship for students on Wednesday nights. I already do that. I want to be the worship leader for a church and work with teenagers. And so the North American Mission Board wrote back to him and said, we do have a position, but there's only one position like, that, like what you're asking for, and the weather is not what you're accustomed to. And so Aaron thought, oh, they're going to send me to Michigan or Chicago or somewhere like that. Hawaii. Aaron was gone within 24 hours, it seemed like. He loaded up and he went out there. And so within six months, the church called the North American Mission Board and said, hey, you don't have to pay him anymore. We are, we are hiring him full time. We don't want him you know, to be just a missionary anymore. He's, he's going to be out here. So for four years, Aaron was out in Hawaii, and I flew out there to do Disciple Now for them. And so we, I would try to get out there early, and Aaron would show me around. You know, I would go you know, climb up trees and get pineapples and things like that. Well, we would always go hiking on these scenic routes that Aaron had discovered. Have any of you ever been to Hawaii? Has anybody been here? It is a, man, we got some rich people in here. A lot of people been to Hawaii. Be sure to tithe today. And so Aaron would scope out these little places where we would go hiking. And on this one particular place, there was a group of college students going with us. And as we were hiking, there were some little places that were a little bit low. And the tall people had to, you know, struggle to get through them. There were some places that were narrow. And the wider people had to struggle to get through them. And there were some people, you know, places that you had to climb. And so all along the way, there were these difficult spots. But we got to one particular place, crossing a stream 
where there were rocks in place that you could cross, but there was moss on top of them, and they were slippery. And so as we were all going through that, we, we all had little struggles in different places, but when we got there, nearly everybody fell in. I didn't because I'm nimble as a mountain goat. But as we were crossing there, we all were whole, because, because of all of the different trouble spots that we had, when we got to that one spot, we all struggled. And James says, that's the way your words are. Admit it or not, that's the way words are. They are trouble spots for even the most faithful of God's children. Either because we hold in positive words that we should be saying and we neglect, which is just as much a sin, by the way. Or we use our words in negative ways that are harmful and hurtful. And James said, look, before anybody says, hey, that's not an issue for me, he says, of course it is. He says, we all stumble in many ways. But words are a problem for all of us. The second thing that James talks about is the power of words. He says, look, they are incredibly powerful. He uses some very vivid images here. He talks about fire and different images here. Well, look down in verse 3. Paul says, words are powerful because of their influence. They influence the speaker. That words do not just uh, go to the listener Words also impact the ones who say them. They also influence the ones who say them. Look in verse 3. Now, if we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we, uh, we direct their whole bodies. He said, think about a horse. If you are riding a horse, no matter how powerful the horse is, it, it way outweighs the human being that is riding it. But you put that bit in the horse's mouth, and just by pulling on the reins, you steer the horse wherever you go. James says that's the way words are. The words that you speak steer the way that you go. And then there in verse 4, he said, I used another metaphor. And consider ships. Though very large and driven by fierce winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So too, though the tongue is a small part of the body, it boasts great things. One of the unintended consequences of people who do not use their words properly is that their own lives steer in the wrong direction. You know that children's nursery rhyme, Mary had a little lamb, fleece was white as snow. And everywhere that Mary went, the lamb was sure to go. Well, you could take that same analogy and say, whatever words we say, that's where our lives go. Think about the people who are the most miserable people that you know. Are they not negative word users? Which came first, the chicken or the egg? James says the more that people criticize, harm, hurt, attack others with their words, those people continue down the path 
of becoming even more miserable, temperamental, hard to be around, wish I never saw them again, people. And people who use their words positively in a God-honoring way steer their lives away from misery to joy and fulfillment. Words are powerful because of their influence on the speaker. But words are also powerful because of their impact on the listener. Everything you and I say leaves an imprint. What you and I say to others leaves them feeling a certain way. Either positive or negative. Either God-honoring or devilish. James talked about that too. He said in the middle part of verse 5, Consider how a small fire sets ablaze a large forest. Unintended, nobody goes out camping. Well, no reasonable person goes out camping and says, Man, I'm going to burn thousands of acres in California. It's just one unintended spark. One less than careful campfire site. James said, boy, words are just like that. Now, there are some miserable people who do intend to hurt others and to ruin their lives, but I don't think most of us in this room are like that. But James did not say that it has to be on purpose. All he said that is a big forest fire can start with a little spark, even though unintended. Well, then... He continues on in verse 6, And the tongue is a fire, the tongue a world of unrighteousness. Its potential is so damaging. It's placed among our members, it stains the whole body, sets the course of life on fire, and itself is on fire by hell. And then going back to that idea in verse 7 about everybody struggling with our words. In verse 7 he said, Every kind of animal, bird, reptile, and fish is tamed and has been tamed. By humankind, but no one can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. Over the past seven days, and I'm including myself in this. Don't think that I'm saying you. Over the past seven days, each of us have impacted others. Either with the warming of the fire or the burning of the fire. I don't know if you can point to specific people in your life who were powerful word impactors. But anybody who went through the West Point public school system and had Nan Randall as a third grade teacher knows the power of words. Have any of you ever seen that movie, Mr. Holland's Opus? I don't watch many movies. I told the men this morning, I spend all my spare time praying and fasting. So I don't have time for worldly entertainments like you pagans do. 
But Mr. Holland's opus is a movie about a music teacher who thinks he's just had no impact at all. And at the end of the movie, the auditorium is filled with people who say, man, you, you touched me. That's the way Miss Randall's funeral was. People who had not... People who had not been in West Point in decades came back for her funeral. I remember exactly specific statements she made to me because words impact either positively or negatively James says they're very powerful and then the last idea that he talks about here is the paradox if you look down in verse 9 the Bible says, with the tongue we bless our Lord and Father. We sing songs, we, we read scripture, we pray. He says, with, the, with our tongues we bless our Lord and Father. And then we turn right around and curse people who are made in God's likeness. Blessing and cursing coming out of the same mouth. My brothers and sisters, these things should not be. Then he uses a couple of natural analogies. He said, does a spring... Pour out both sweet and bitter water. Is, is there both fresh and clean that you can drink or toxic and, and bacteria? He said, no, one or the other has to come out. And then he says in verse 12, can a fig tree produce olives? No, if you go out to a fig tree, olives aren't going to be there. Figs are going to be on there. It just doesn't happen that way. And then he says, uh, or a grapevine produce figs. He says, no, none of these things can happen. And he says, our mouths should be the same way. We should not be people who sing amazing grace, my chains are gone, and then walk out and just rip people's reputations to shreds. He said, that cannot be. It must not be for people who want to work out their faith. We must be people who say, I choose to honor Jesus Christ with my words. And when I do so, the lives of other people will be blessed and my own life will be steered toward fulfillment. I want to give you a challenge this week. I want to give you three specific ways that you can use your words powerfully this week. One is by a spoken word. I mean, this is the main way that we use our words. And so, what if you, on this Sunday, this Sunday morning, what if you were to resolve, before this week is over, I am intentionally going to use verbal words to affirm, encourage, comfort, whatever positive benefit someone in my circle of relationships might need, I am going to use verbal words, out loud spoken words, to help. The next easiest way is through your phone. Sometimes because phones give us a little anonymity, we, we become a little bit harsher or bolder than we might be if we were talking to a person face-to-face. -face. 
But what if you today, on January 22nd, were to say, before I get back in this building next week, I'm going to use this device to affirm, encourage, comfort, guide. This is going to be a tool that the Lord puts into my hand and I intentionally am going to use it. I'm going to tell you about a text that I got this week. I'm in a, I'm in a heavy travel season right now trying to squeeze in some people that, are, that have been waiting to get me to speak. They only care about low, you know, low expenses. They don't care about quality. And so I'm, I'm in a heavy travel season right now. And by the way, I'm just going to insert this for you. Someone called me Friday when I got back to Columbus and said, Hey, I've been keeping up with you. You are going to kill yourself. Why are you, why are you doing this and this? And here's exactly what I told him. I said, Because that church is worth it. I am willing to stretch thin because this church is worth it. And I want you to know that. But anyway, Monday was an off day since uh, most places were closed and, and no churches were doing anything. And then that Monday night, sweet little Rebecca Stutter <laughs> sent a text to my phone. First of all, Gary, it's incredible to have such a great-looking preacher standing <laughs> up front every week. But then she said... I know you're not getting much rest, and I'm praying for you. I can't tell you. This is connected to that, but this is the most special thing in the world to me to be able to serve on staff with her. She grew up in the group where I was a student minister, and it's... I don't even know how to, I don't even know how to put that into words, but it's special to me. And that text meant a lot to me. And so you can do that this week. You can say on purpose, intentionally, I am taking this step. And then the third way that I want to give you a challenge is to put something down in writing. Spoken words, typed words, and put something down in writing. I want you to see this card was waiting on me when I got back. I will let you be the judge of why Superman is on the front of the postcard. But here is a, here's a student minister whom has invited me to speak several times, and he said, in our family devotion this week, we were challenged to write a thank you note to someone who's invested in us spiritually, and then he goes on to say ways that God has blessed him. And you can do that too. This week you can get a card, get a piece of paper, and put something in writing that will be powerful for the person who reads it. Words can be positive and negative. Either one, either or, and both and. And because we want to be people who live out our faith what Jesus is working in us shows up on the outside. We need to be careful with our words. 
We're going to have a commitment time now, and as I always like to remind you, none of what God's Word says is possible for us without without a relationship with Jesus Christ. The Bible is not a self-help book. It's not something that we say, here's what I need to do and start doing it. It is only through Jesus that we have the power to be able to, to live out that faith. And so if there's someone here today, a man, woman, college student, teenager, boy or girl, and you do not have a relationship with Jesus, I would love to talk with you about how the power of the cross provides forgiveness for our sins and enables us to live as new creatures. Maybe there are other decisions that you want to make today. I'll be standing here at the front for just a moment as we sing our commitment song. Philip, what are we going to sing today?